0: Acts chapter four um, obviously comes after Acts chapter three. In Acts chapter three, there was a man that was that was lame, and as Peter and John were heading into the temple, he was asking alms, he was begging of them, and he said, Peter said, but they looked on him. We don't have gold and silver. What we do have, we'll give you. We testified unto him the name, reputation, fame, and glory of Jesus Christ, the gospel, and by grace through faith that lame man stood up leapt up rejoicing carrying on into the temple drew a crowd and in drawing that crowd peter gave them the jews a response of the gospel this this man that you saw that you crucified wickedly you laid your hands on him he is the son of god he is the hope and the promise of god that was given to the fathers and in his name there would be salvation that they were to repent and to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. verse Chapter 3, verse 19, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And what what an encouraging message that he did That he did bring unto these people and as he concluded unto them he he said in verses 25 and 26 yes the promise was unto abraham but uh, and but all nations all families all people not everyone without exception all people without distinction will be blessed according to the gospel of jesus christ so in chapter 4 we're going to get through verse 22 1 through 22 we're not going to read it then reread it But I want you to see what happens at the the preaching of the gospel. The title of this lesson this morning is, The Gospel is Offensive. The gospel is offensive. Was Peter going out attempting to be offensive? I don't believe so. But by necessity, the gospel is offensive. If you've never been offended by the gospel, I encourage you to see yourself as a sinner and to repent. And believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is offensive. If you read with me here, verses 1, 2, and 3 of chapter 4, what you're going to see in the first three three verses, chapter 4, verses 1, 2, and 3, you're going to see that religious and self-assured people don't like the gospel okay we saw that personally played out they had uh, a holiday parade in town here a a a couple years ago it feels like just just a few minutes ago but a couple years ago we went we're walking down the road with bibles and lineage literature and and the pamphlet that we hand out just like when we go out into the in in our public ministry it is it says i'm looking for sinners right and there were people that were religious and self-assured, and many of these people were highly upset uh, that they that well, I'm a sinner. I, I, I don't need I don't need anything. They were they were religious. They were self-assured. Look at verses one, two, and three. And as they spake unto the people, this is okay. So when we see chapters, sometimes we forget just the the simultaneousness of what's happening as. And as they spake unto the people, while this was going on, while Peter was preaching unto them, chapter 3, verses 12 through 26, as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captains of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. Think about this. These were the people that were ministering in the temple. These were the religious elite on both sides of the aisle. When you you think about... Um, the our, our Congress, you have mostly you have your moderates sit kind of close to the middle, and physically you have your conservatives sit on one side and your liberals sit on another. So both sides of the aisle, liberal and conservative, you have the priests there, and in the pre uh, the, the priesthood here you had uh, the religious conservatives, the strict legalists. You know, those that have said, I have never sinned, I have kept the law. Think of what Paul said about his, his, his firmness in being a Pharisee. He, he called himself the chief of sinners, but he relied on his, his strictness according to the law. of the, uh, uh, This tribe and this and kept the law and perfect and blameless and so on and so on. You had those that were just by the letter and by the box, check, 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 check. And you also had the Sadducees. These were the religious liberals. They denied the resurrection. These are the people that came to the Lord Jesus Christ and said, if a woman is married by so many brothers in eternity, whose wife is she going to be? They they were mocking him because they didn't believe in the immortality of the soul. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They they, they believed in the here and the now and, 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 and they were more liberal. But you have both these people agreeing they they were in agreement that what peter and john had to say was wrong and if you see if you if you preach the gospel and and peter he didn't change his message a whole bunch did he i mean see he said different words but the message remained the same in chapter two and in chapter three and we're going to see it again here in chapter four but both sides of the aisle will agree that the gospel is offensive that's why they came upon them it wasn't to invite them to dinner it wasn't to, to to hang out with them and say you know what you have your own ideas on how to be religious before god why don't you come in with the priests and with the sadducees and we'll just sit in a big circle on powwow and sort this thing out no they're going to try to shut them down they were offended they were offended keep reading verse 10 being grieved you ever talk to somebody, just told them the, the gospel that all men are sinners? I was speaking with someone earlier this week, and they denied the depravity of man. Oh, I, no, men are not adverse to God. No, by birth, they are not adverse. They're okay before God. What I had to say concerning the gospel and the total depravity of man, according to scriptures, that men, women, boys, and girls are at enmity with God, Paul said to the Romans. They were grieved. Oh, no, these things can't be. They were grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead, his death, burial, and resurrection. Now, if they would have taught works or if they would have taught Uh, vain philosophies, or if they would have have taught anything, they might not have been grieved. If they tried to find common ground with the Pharisees and with the Sadducees and with all these other sees, then these people would not have been grieved. But I I tell you this, the gospel is offensive and it will grieve those who are religious and self-assured. You see people get mad, it's because they are, they are content with their religion and their, their assurance in that religion. I feel heartache and sorrow for folks because I know what I have and I know what Jesus Christ did for me. If someone has assurance in what they have done or what they believe or what whatever, anything but the gospel of Jesus Christ, then they will be grieved. That Christ alone can save from sin, in His authority, in His death, His burial, His resurrection, religious and self-assured people will be grieved. And they laid hands on them, and this wasn't to show their approval, such as one would do at ordination. No, they they took them, they bound them, and put them into the in in hold, they arrested them until the next day, for it was now eventide. Okay. So it's late in the day, so now they have time to think things over. You you ever said something like, you know what, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to sleep on it. You ever said something like that? I'm going to sleep on it. These people, being offended by the gospel, are now going to sleep on it, and when they wake up the next day, they have clarity that they are continually offended by the gospel. They are grieved at it. Who is not Offended by the gospel. Those that are lame. Those that are hurt. Those that are bound and shackled in sin. Those that have need. Those that are sinners. The righteous have no need of repentance. But sinners. Christ said he came to save sinners. These men and women in verses 1, 2, and 3, they weren't sinners. They were okay. They were religious. They had things all sorted out. The Lord saves his people. Look, read verse 4. Howbeit, you know, you had these people over here self-assured, religious, angry, grieved, come upon them out of sorts. Man, they were upset. They at opposite ends, they came together to disagree with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Howbeit, Many of them which heard the word believed. How did they do that? Look back at chapter 3 and verse 16. And this and his name, the name of Jesus Christ, through faith in his name, the name, fame, reputation, glory of Jesus Christ, hath made this man strong. How did many of them which heard the word believe? The fame and name and reputation and glory of God, Jesus Christ, according to the gospel, hath made them strong unto life. Whom ye see and know, yea, the faith which is by him, by Jesus Christ, hath given him, this lame man, perfect soundness in the presence of you all. That happened in verse 4. You know, those that heard the word, no doubt some of them were of the priests and of the temple and of those that that managed all those affairs out of verse 1. No doubt some of them may have been part of the uh, the Sadducees, part part of the liberal sect. Part of them being religious might have just been going in, just being just average Joe, if you will, just going in, checking the box of religion, just doing their thing, gonna go in, do the thing, leave, go back home, whatever. But by the power of God, many of them which heard the word believed. You know, if you think about it from a depravity standpoint. The fact that God saves anybody through the fame, name, reputation, glory, power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. More than zero is a lot. More than zero is impressive. If he did nothing but save one person, that would make him the God of salvation to make the dead to live. You see, when he saved eight souls alive on Noah's ark, That was a great act of mercy to be heralded throughout the ages. Just a handful of people here this morning, I believe, is a lot. Why? Because he would have been right to leave every one of us alone in our sins. He would have been right to leave every one of us alone in chapter 4, verse 1, religiously unsaved, content with ourselves, marches straight into a devil's hell. He would have been right to do that. But the Lord saves his people. How be it? That how be it is an interruption of verses 1, 2, and 3. The Lord bursting forth according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. How be it? Many of them heard the word, believed. Some people heard the word and didn't believe. You know, after the Lord Jesus Christ resurrected Lazarus from, from the dead in John chapter 11. Look over there in John chapter 11. Oh, what what sweet and glad news that some hear and believe. In John chapter 11, turn over there. In verse 45, and put some kind of marker there, because we're going to come back here in just a moment. Then many of the Jews, uh, John chapter 11, verse 45, the many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him, but some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. They saw it too. They heard it too. Well, what's the difference in verses 45 and 46? The power of God in salvation. That's right. Faith that is by Him in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the God that makes the dead to live. The Lord saves His people. At the preaching of the Word, look at that, how many of them which heard the Word believed? The Lord saves His people and From their sins at the preaching of the word of God, salvation and repentance through Christ's gospel. The book of Acts, written by Luke. Look back at the book of Luke. Chapter 24 and verse 46. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. That's consistent with what Peter's preaching. And verse 47, and that repentance and remission or forgiveness of sins should be preached in his name, fame, reputation, glory, his gospel among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. What a simple, what a simple recipe that the Lord has given his people. The preaching of the word, child of God. We're not—we're not to overcomplicate things. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to tell a lost and dying world to repent and believe Jesus Christ's gospel. Well, that's offensive. Yeah, it is to most, but to some, the preaching of the gospel—it's the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Isn't that wonderful? It's not through song and dance. It's not through wonderful speeches. It's the preaching of the word of God and the power of God himself to make the dead to live. And many of them which heard the word believed. That's not because Peter really knew how to get into their psychology. It's because Jesus Christ, according to his gospel, made them to believe. He made them alive through God, faith or belief in Christ. Again, Acts chapter 3, verse 16, in him and by him. And through him, there is belief. We keep reading here. And the number of the men was about 5,000. That's the men. Not counting the women. Not counting the children. That's the men. That, that That's a call back to uh, old Israel when they would count the fighting men. So this is just a, a, a portion of those that believe. The men, 3,000. Or excuse me, 5,000. So you have 3,000 in chapter 2, you have one person in chapter 3, and you have 5,000 in chapter 4. So which work, I'm not going to ask you which was the greater work, I'm going to ask you which work was insignificant. If you were saved in Acts chapter 2, would you think that was a small thing? If you were that one man saved in chapter 3, would you think that was a small thing? If that was you, i tell you what, children of God, yes, the Lord saves his people from their sins, but it is no small thing when he saves each and every one of his children. Every one of his children. It is a great and precious investment that God has in their salvation, even the gospel of Jesus Christ, how that he suffered in place of his people, died, was buried, and rose again. Yes, the masses, the 3,000, the 5,000. I'm sure they were celebrating the gospel of Jesus Christ. That one man that experienced it individually, leapt for joy at the gospel. It's the Lord's business who he saves, whether it's 3,000, 1, or 5,000. But we should have great expectations, shouldn't we? Do you think Peter was disappointed when he went from 3,000, but there was only one man here now saved? In chapter 3, do you think he said, you know what? Yeah, there's one, but man, I I wish it would have been like the 3,000. I think Peter had great expectations in the Lord, and he he saw value in every soul. That's why he locked eyes on that one guy in chapter 3. Children of God, we should have similar expectations, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we move as Peter and John with expectations in God that literally every single weak person we talk to, by faith in his name, through the power of God, in his gospel, he can make the dead to live? Even those who are offended, they're religiously unsaved and self assured people just like me. Shouldn't we have that expectation? I believe. I believe we should. God is no different today. Could he save all the Silsby and Fred and Koontz and, 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 and just we'd have to have services down here at the Silsby football field one day? He could do that. Yep. If you doubt it, read the scriptures. We should have this expectation. We should announce repentance to sinners and to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter three, verse nineteen: Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. He's talking to the masses there. There's at least five thousand people he's talking to. Five thousand men. Chapter two and verse twenty-one. Chapter two, chapter two and verse twenty-one. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And boy, ain't that the truth. Why would they call on the name of the Lord? Because someone told them you're a sinner. You're in need. You have need of salvation. You're desperate and without hope. But Jesus Christ died for the ungodly. Repent and be converted don't have expectations of what men will do have expectations of what god will do the same god that you can't see it directly but look look through those windows over there what do you see coming through there light shining through there huh That sun you could put a million earths inside the sun and still have room it's at least a million times bigger than this earth and it just keeps burning and burning and burning who does that god almighty and he cares, he cares for his people so great that he invested his son. Announced salvation to sinners. Do you really believe that the Lord came? His name is Jesus. He came to save his people from their sins. Well, how does he do it? Why would he do it? There's a need. He feels that need in his gospel. Thank God. Thank God. Yes, Many will be offended. And that's okay. And the Lord saves his people. And that's just wonderful. That's just wonderful. Verse 5. And it came to pass on the morning. Verses 5 through 12. And it came to pass on the morning, on the morrow, that is, that the rulers and elders and scribes and Annas, the high priest and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. Oh, there was, a, there was a big conference going on here. And when they had set them, Peter and John, in the midst, put him in the middle, Put they're on trial here now, they asked, by what power, by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, You rulers, people of, uh, 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 rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if this day would be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole? Be it known unto you all and to the, all the people of Israel. Pause there just for a second. By what power? He already addressed this. Back in chapter 3 and verse 12, when Peter saw it, he answered and said to them, you men of Israel, why marvel at this or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? We addressed that last time and he he addressed it. That word power means ability or strength. How would you do it? I've got a, this little trick that I can do. I, I wear a watch. If I stick a pen behind it and then kind of trap another pin behind my hand, it looks like that pin is floating. And you can see adults and children alike, they look at it like, how are you doing that? By what power, by what ability, by what strength are you doing that? Well, it's a carnival act. But they knew this man had been lame yeah. over 40 years. How did you do it? By what name or authority or reputation? By what glory did you do this thing? What was done was undeniable. They didn't say, was it done? They said, how'd you do it? You notice in verse eight, we read it again. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, said unto them, you rulers of the people and elders of Israel. You, You see, a holy A Holy Ghost answer, a Holy Spirit answer. Okay. People get so tied up in in the the, you know Pentecostalism and oneness doctrine and and full gospel and all the you know being be filled with the Holy Ghost and Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, and let's give a Holy Ghost answer, Holy Ghost revival. What was the Holy Ghost answer? Look at verse 8, just in a practical way, he was respectful. He didn't say, you bunch of dogs and dirt bags, I hate you. You know, you ever called in front of the president, the governor, or whatever, the judge? I was called in front of a judge last year for a jury duty. And it's just standing in a courtroom and having that seal of Texas right behind him and him wearing his robe. I know he's just a man. He's going to die like everybody else. But there's a respect that comes with that we're we be respectful toward other people not be demeaning toward other people so a holy ghost answer holy spirit answer will be a respectful answer but it won't hold your tongue you see in fact when you see a holy ghost answer holy spirit answer let me say holy ghost holy spirit answer you see they didn't start just talking in tongues and 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 that kind of stuff okay in the in, in the book of acts there was time and place for that i believe as it says in first corinthians that tongues have and did cease yeah. I, I believe that the purpose of tongues is to convey the message of the gospel the wonderful works of god to other languages so that both people know what is being said mm-hmm. he's talking to jews here There's no need for tongues he didn't speak in tongues but he spoke to them directly as individuals look at this you rulers of the people and elders of israel He's looking them dead in the eye you a holy spirit answer won't say yes we're all sinners will say you you that's respectful you he clarified the question look clarify look, let's make sure we're talking about the same things here some people get all tangled up in an argument because they don't understand what they're talking about first not If we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he has made whole? If this is what we're talking about. So I would encourage you, you know, sometimes whenever I'm talking to people and I try to clarify the answer, they almost get defensive about it. Like, no, I'm I'm not trying to reword what you're saying. I'm trying to understand what you are saying. Just to clarify my thinking, is this what we're talking about? So what, in doing that, okay, yeah, this is what we're talking about. Okay, well, now we're going to talk about it. Clarify what's being talked about. So in clarification, look, whenever he clarifies this, you know what this also does? This brings the the whole conversation, this is what we're talking about. Because sometimes when people get into a disagreement, they start cherry picking and bringing up half of verses over here and half over there. And what about this? And what about that? And what about anybody ever experienced that before? No. OK, this is what we're, we're, we're talking about, how how this man was healed and what in that conversion. That's what we're talking about. I'm going to tell you how that happened. We're not going to do what abouts and, and just because is not all that kind of stuff. So when you clarify what we're talking about, also set the definition set the parameters of the discussion that because God is not the author of confusion. He's not going to bring up everything in the world. We're talking about what happened to this man. See? Clarify the question. And then he brought up okay, so now we're talking about the fame and we're talking about the ability or power that made this man whole. Now he's going to deliver unto them, in verse 10, the simplicity of the gospel. You want to know why this man who was lame is not anymore? Verse 10. Be it known unto you all, each and every one, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name or fame or reputation or glory of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man here uh, stand here before you whole. How did he do it? The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not because of me. It's not because of you. It's not because of him. It's because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, by the way, who you condemned, because you are self-righteous and you are self-assured and you're so ultra-religious But you have laid hands on the Son of God by his ability and by none other and none lesser. The name and power of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ made this man to stand up. So remember, the Holy Ghost answer, Holy Spirit answer. They've already agreed that this man was lame and now he's not. They've already agreed that it wasn't by their power. So they're saying, well, what power did you do it? They've already agreed that something miraculous had been done in their sight. How then can they deny that power? Well, people do. Again, that's God's business, who believes and who doesn't. That's God's business. He showed them the accountability of sinners whom ye crucified. And now look in verse 11 again. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, not some builders, you builders, which has become the head of the corner. He preached to them the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He preached to them the accountability of sinners. You are a sinner. You have rejected the Son of God. Peter is very consistent in his presentation of the gospel, isn't he? Okay, so he's talking to the masses at one point. He's talking to a single man at another point. He's he's talking to, to the most religious elite of the Jews now. And he's consistent with his answer. You are sinners. Christ died, was buried, and rose again. Believe on him. Verse 12. Neither is there salvation or deliverance in any other. He's telling them, not that the 5,000 needed saved or that one lame man needed saved, but chief elders, rulers, with all due respect, you need salvation. And there is salvation. Salvation in no other name. For there is none other name, reputation, family, glory, under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. That word we includes Peter who is talking and they who are listening. Yeah. It's of a need, a necessity. Salvation. Yes, but who needs it? There's only... One source of salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel, and there is no other source, self, works, ideologies, philosophies, whatever. That need, who needs it? Well, every single person ever born, save Christ himself, needs salvation. This tells us that all, when he says in verse 12, whereby we, among men, we, we must be saved. It's a necessity and a need, salvation is. And there is exactly one by which this need and necessity can be fulfilled, and that is Jesus Christ alone. He didn't, again, talk to them about common ground. He didn't say, well, you believe this, and I kind of do, so let's, let's fellowship around basic elements. No doubt they were offended when he said, you must be saved. We must be saved. At that, at this name and this ability, this power that you have no comprehension of. Same kind of conversation the Lord Jesus Christ had with Nicodemus, isn't it? Are you a ruler of Jews and you don't comprehend the new birth? We must be saved. Verses 13 and 14. Okay, so now they're, okay, they clarified, but by the the Holy Spirit, he gave them a gospel answer. And now that this thing has been said, the message is short and sweet. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, now this isn't ugly speech either. They just hadn't been in school. They hadn't been taught. They hadn't spent their whole lives under the council of Gamaliel in and, and, and a school. They weren't lawyers and, and doctors of the law. These are rude, crude, and socially unacceptable fishermen here out just, just pouring out the gospel before them. Look back at Luke chapter 24 in your minds. Remember when the Lord opened the scriptures and, and showed them himself what great things. They marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus and beholding the man. Okay, so now they hear, okay, this, these people are teaching. Remember, okay, so think about what that means that they've been with Jesus. They spent three and a half years trying to trip the Lord Jesus Christ up with, with questions and with, with, with hazards and what would you do and all this kind of stuff. And now we've got these men that, oh man, they're, they're answering like they, they're answering. By the Holy Spirit, they're answering like they'd been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Just dumbfounded. Boldness. The word boldness, listen to this. Boldness means free and fearless. Unreserved and with liberty. What holds us back from testifying the gospel? A lack of boldness. A lack of boldness. And this boldness didn't come from Peter and John. This is the same Peter, by the way, that held his tongue and that chicken crowed three times. Remember that. It doesn't say that they agreed with him. Look, the, when it says in verse 13, they, they took note that they'd been with Jesus. They, they didn't agree with the Lord Jesus at all. They wanted these mouths stopped. They did know that they'd been with Jesus. Does our conversation, you know, folks might disagree with you. A lot of them will, the Lord will save his people. Even when people disagree with me or disagree with you, they should know that you have been with the Lord. Even You know, these people that laid hands on the Lord himself and took counsel to slay him, they're the ones that paid Judas his price, you see. Oh, they disagreed with the Lord. But they knew that what they had was consistent with what the Lord had. A lot of people have a lot of different opinions on the, on the Word of God. These people had their opinions about the Word of God, but they could not deny that these people were consistent with the Lord Himself, nor the work that was done. It was evident, it was undeniable. He said, People might not like your theology, they didn't like their theology. People not like, might not like your theology but the work of God should be undeniable. There's a lot of people that have theology, but there's no evidence to to suspect it, to even suspect the work of God in their lives. These people had had theology, but there there was, in in verses one, two, and three, these people that were religious and and, and self-assured, there was no evidence of God in their lives. Checking boxes. But in their boldness, at their testimony, and at this man that was standing there, they left these people speechless. So, child of God, we should be bold and there should be evidence of the work of God in our lives. You see a very sad conference here in verses 15 through 18. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, y'all be held over there. They conferred among themselves a sad conference saying, what shall we do to these men? For what for that indeed a notable miracle had been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Think about how fast word would spread. Okay? You got a guy at the at, at the opening of the temple, and at least five thousand people, when they saw what happened, they came to hear what how it happened. And at least five thousand people when they heard it They believed. How fast do you think this news would spread throughout Jerusalem? The miracle unto all that dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. This thing is done and we can't deny it. We can't shut this down. The press is already spread. But that it spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. It is a sad conference. They couldn't deny the work. And they didn't want it to spread. So what do they try to do? They threatened to beat them and they attempted censorship of speech. It's not too different from what happened to Governor Zerubbabel back in the book of Ezra. These people wanted to come in and say, look, hey, look, we're going to help you build. And they said, no, get out of here. So they set out to be adverse to those people and shut them down and be trip hazards all along the way. Try to stop them, whether by force or intimidation. We've had it pretty good in this nation. I say we, the people of God, have had it pretty good in this nation. But do you think the world is now more civilized to the gospel? Do you think they're less offended at the gospel? I, would any deny that these are the most savage times perhaps that we've ever lived in in the history of the world? Uh, over 60 million people have been slaughtered in this nation since the late 70s, and it's legal? Tell me it's not. Tell me it's not savage. People are advocating for, for same-sex same relationships and, and counting children as as dogs and cats or whatever and celebrating it? Why has it been easy? Because there has been a lack of boldness. And I say that on my part. There has been a lack of boldness. Not rudeness, boldness. Children of God, if we do what we're supposed to be doing, this world is going to be adverse to you. They will try to stop you through threatenings, and they will try to stop you through attempted censorship of speech. Calm down, shut up, sit down. Verses 19 through 20, you see a bold answer. I want you to store this away in your memory bank because if you show boldness, if you show boldness, you're going to have to give this answer. A lot of people have died. A lot of the children of God have died. What will your answer be? Verse 19 and 20. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. What do you mean unto God? Chapter one, verse eight, go ye, right? Ye shall be my witness. Ye shall testify of me, he told them. The Lord told me to go. So you decide whether it's right or wrong and that's on you, but I... By the power of God, verse 20, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. I must testify of Christ's gospel. People are going to ask you to stop. you got to decide. Decision, that's what he's saying. We cannot speak but the things which we have seen and heard. You decide what you're going to do, y'all. But as for me and John... Peter was saying, as for us, we're going to do what God told us to do. Do we obey men or God? This may have its consequences before men, but I tell you what, our greater command and authority is God Almighty. And we live in a free nation right now, but that might change overnight. Then what will you do? You see, if if we have a hard time, if I have a hard time when it's easy, What about when it's not easy? Am I going to have, by the power of God and by the graces of God, the boldness to stand and declare unto those that seek my life with threatenings and with beatings and whatever, to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ? He told them. You know what? We said in chapter 2, there were 3,000. In chapter 3, there was 1. In chapter 4, early, there was 5,000. He just preached the gospel again. Zero. The gospel being offensive? Sometimes you testify the gospel and no one is saved. He told them again. He told them again in verses 10 through 12 the religiously unsaved, those self-assured and religious, he told them the gospel and not one of them believed. Now what are you going to do? That's God's business, right? He told them. That's God's business. We're to speak to things which you have heard and seen. Peter saw and heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter saw and heard the practical application of the gospel of Jesus Christ had made the lame man healed that's what he told them he told them that among men yes this happened to this man but at a broader application only through the gospel of jesus christ can any sinner be saved from their sins a bold answer what have you seen and heard Testify those things. Look, verse 20 again. We cannot but speak. I have to talk about it. The things which we have seen and heard. How about to your own self? Can you but speak the things which you have seen and heard? Can you but speak of the gospel testimony? that How that God has made you in Christ's gospel from dead unto life, death unto life as we consider these things may we each be and we're going to we're going to read this when they go back to the brothers and sisters man they are just so confirmed in the boldness that they they pray for boldness oh may this catch on verses 21 and 22 so when they had further threatened them preaching the gospel you know what sometimes threats keep going they further threaten then they let them go finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people for all men glorify God for that which was done. For the man was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was shown. You preach the gospel. I mean the Lord's gospel, not common ground and not ecumenicalism and, and everybody, or all heading the same way and we all serve the same Lord kind of nonsense. But you, you, you preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, forgiveness and remission of sins, repentance and remission of sins rather. The threats are going to keep coming, but now there's a, between Acts chapter two verse forty one and Acts chapter four and verse four. Between those, there's at least eight thousand and one new converts. Okay, but they could find nothing to punish them by. These people didn't want to lose their place or their station. I, we mentioned John chapter 11 earlier. That's what they were taking counsel. Like, hey, look, we got to shut this thing down because the Romans are going to see something going on and they're going to hammer us all, and We're all going to lose our place. We got to get this calmed down. They're thinking that same thing right here. How are we going to stop this? The Romans are going to not again. We can't have a second uprising. We got to shut this thing down. A notable miracle. This man over forty years, and his problems were over forty years old too. But I want you to notice something also, children of God. In verses 21 and 22, they had nothing how they might punish them. They uh, they behaved lawfully. Yeah. Okay. So if it's a city ordinance that I can't be on a bullhorn, then I can't be on a bullhorn. If it's a city ordinance that I can't stand right in front of somebody's business, then I can't stand right in front of somebody's business. I can't break the law, but you know what? Obeying God doesn't cause us. I mean, you can read Romans chapter 13. These things are put in place for the protections, right? Laws and everything. These people weren't breaking any laws. They were just merely offending people in the gospel. As we attempt by the power of God, and he uses us in our feebleness, we should never give anyone an occasion. Now we will because we're sinners. But we should desire to never let anyone have anything they can accuse us by. Not being a filthy business person, not being, you know, a... Uh, a low life or a drunk or whatever under scrutiny as being faithful ministers of the gospel we should not be offensive by our own flesh to folks right again we saw in early on that he was they were being respectful and they called you know the elders and rulers and there was nothing that they could put their hands on them for This talks about their way of living. Okay, We are to trust the Lord. We are to broadcast the gospel. We are to do what he says. We're to live lawfully. So, Jonah, the gospel is offensive. It is offensive. And when I say that, when I say that that man has nothing to offer unto the Lord, that the offering that is suitable is the gospel of Jesus Christ, deep down in my pride, I, I want to think there's something I can do. Thank God for several assurances throughout the day of how weak and helpless and pitiful I am in my total need of Christ. The gospel is offensive. People who are, are okay don't like it. And I say that. I was okay, and I didn't like it until by the power of God, I knew I wasn't okay. And calling upon the name of the Lord, I had to have it. The Lord saves his people from their sins. He opens the hearts. He makes the dead to live. He does so through his name and through his power in the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. Children of God, be bold. Be bold. Be bold in your declarations of the gospel and may, as that lame man over 40 years is now leaping for joy, may our lives be evident, an evident witness of the work and power of God according to his gospel. People will conspire to stop you. They'll hold conferences. They'll do all kinds of everything. They'll start avoiding you. They'll, they'll be all, so many incomprehensible the ways that, that people can try to shut down the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be bold. Be bold. Don't be be a jerk. Be bold. Live in such a way that none can find any true reason to punish you outside they can't stand the gospel of Jesus Christ. In doing such, you will follow the apostles' pattern as they follow Christ's pattern. He told them in John chapter 10, they asked, will you tell us plainly if you're the Christ? I told you already. You don't hear me. You don't believe me because you're not mine. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Did that offend them? You better believe it. <laughs> they wanted to kill him. And they, they put their hands on him. He laid down his life. They, they wanted to take his life. But that's the pattern. You see in chapter 2, in chapter 3, and chapter 4, you, you see Peter and John, they just... They preach the gospel. uh, uh, You're a sinner. Christ died for the ungodly. Death, burial, and resurrection. Call upon the Lord. Same pattern. The gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. We have no right to change any of that. None. It's his gospel. It's not my gospel. It's his. By what power, by what name do you preach? By what power and name do you expect the Lord to save his people from their sins? The gospel of Jesus Christ his death, burial, and resurrection, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any um for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Sinner, hear that gospel. Be done with your religion, be done with your self-assurance, be done with yourself. Repent, ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. And it shall come to pass, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You're a sinner. Jesus, the Son of God, was born in the likeness of men. He came to save his people from their sins. In his substitution, Christ judging him for sinners, for his people. He died, was buried, and rose again according to the Scriptures. He makes the lame to walk, even to leap and glorify God. He makes the dead to live. He saves his people From their sins. He causes them. To hear the word of God. And believe. Repent. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.